Uh, well, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope you are having a fabulous weekend. It's always such a great weekend to celebrate God's goodness and his grace to us in so many different ways. Uh, this fall, we have been uh, walking through sort of the middle chapters of the book of Romans, chapter 5, 6, and we're coming to 7 and 8, and it's been so good. But today, we're actually going to pause and spend a day talking about the richness and the grace of God in our lives, and then what it practically means for how we live our lives. You know, if you go back to study the history of the early church, one of the things that will surprise you is the fact that the early church actually survived. Because you see, if you uh, look at what historians say are necessary for a movement to take root and grow, they say it really requires two things, both of which were missing in the early church. Either a movement has to have a very powerful, charismatic political leader who has the incredible military force behind him to enforce the kind of movement that he wants to bring around, or it has to be a massive movement of people that is highly organized around an idea that finally has its time. And when it comes to the Christian faith, it had neither. In fact, the odds were incredibly stacked against it. You know, the early church, the early Christians, they were not organized at all. They had no buildings. They were not recognized by the government. In fact, most people in that day considered them to be a cult, which meant that they were socially looked down upon. They were uh, sometimes persecuted and sometimes even tortured for their faith in Jesus. And yet, and yet against all odds, the church continued to grow, which raises this question. Why? I mean, what was it about the early church that caused it not only to survive the first couple centuries, but to actually thrive? Now, that's the kind of question that historians like Rodney Stark and Paul Johnson and Alvin Schmidt and others have delved into and looked into deeply. And what they found is not exactly surprising, but it's not exactly what most people would expect. And what they found is this, that the, that the source of the appeal and the influence of the church in the first couple of centuries could be traced back to this, to generosity. See, the hallmark of the Christians in the first century wasn't their wealth because they had no wealth. It wasn't their political power because they didn't have that either. It wasn't their organizational skills because they had no organization going. It wasn't their theology either because what they held to as followers of Jesus was so radically different than the cultural culture around them that most people didn't even know what to do with what they believed. Rather, what gave them leverage, what, what opened the doors for the early Christians to impact people's lives, what, what was the, the, the source of their appeal and their influence in those days was the incredible compassion and generosity that they showed to everyone around them even though they were not particularly wealthy even though they received very little compassion themselves what they had they gladly and willingly gave to the people around them and as one author noted that made them hard to ignore Jesus said this to his disciples you are the light of the world you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So that's what the early church did. 
They just became incredibly compassionate and generous in caring for their city and caring for their neighbors and their co-workers and the people around them. And in fact, their generosity was so radical. It was so profound that it literally blew up the, the idea of generosity in the ancient world. Because you see, the rule of thumb in the ancient world when it came to things like courtesy and etiquette and decency and generosity, the rule of the thumb was summed up in a Latin word. This Latin word is liberalitas. And liberalitas basically means that you give in order to get something in return. It was how the whole system worked in the ancient world. Everyone looked out for everyone else, but always with the motive of getting something in return. The, the underlying thinking behind this idea of liberalitas was, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. In fact, it was so ingrained in the, in the system, in the thinking of that ancient culture, it was literally printed on the coins. When an emperor would mint coins, he would obviously put his picture on it, but then he would also inscribe on it this word, liberalitas. And then, and then when he would come to a city, they would have a parade because the emperor was coming to town and the emperor would literally throw these coins out into the, into the crowds. He would throw money at the people. But the inscription on this said liberalitas. In other words, I give to you right now, but I expect that if I'm ever in need, if I ever need your allegiance, your help, that you owe me back. It's how the whole system, how the whole economy worked. And um, uh, which, which meant that there was no value then in giving to someone who couldn't do anything in return. I mean, why would you waste your good money? Why would you waste your time and your energy on somebody who had nothing to offer back to you? In fact, the whole idea was to find somebody that had something to offer and to do something for them first before they could do something for you because then they would owe you down the road and that was good for you. Now, of course, for us, that, you know, I mean, we don't think that way these days, right? I mean, we, we value sacrifice and giving in part because of the influence of the Christian faith over hundreds and hundreds of years. But in our culture, I mean, we, we value sacrifice and giving, and, and so it's celebrated in the movies that we watch, in the stories that are told, in the news that is reported. Uh, it's the things that we see regularly in our uh, you know, in, in our first, uh, in our first responders, uh, and, uh, and in our military. And it becomes for us the sort of standard that we use to measure things like honor and integrity and faithfulness and courage. But not in the first century. Not at all. In the, in the first century, it was, I do for you only if you can do for me. Which explains why the plight of the orphans and the widows was so desperate because it was seen as foolish it was seen as an utter waste of your time and your resources to bother giving money to orphans and widows because they could do nothing in return for you and not only was it seen as foolish but no one made you bad feel bad if you weren't doing it because that's how everyone did it that's how everyone thought but then along came jesus and when Jesus came, he proclaimed a new kingdom, a radically different kind of kingdom, what he called the kingdom of God. And he said that in the kingdom of God, the economy would be the exact opposite from liberalitas. 
It would be about actually giving generously to the needs of the people around you. In fact, he openly challenged the thinking of his day among his own followers with some fairly, uh, fairly um, penetrating questions. Here's, here's what he says to those who are his followers. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be fully repaid. Jesus says to those who follow after him, if you spend your money and use your time the exact same way as everyone else does, if you go along with the exact way the culture does when it comes to your time and your money, then how are you any different than them? What sets you apart from what everyone else is doing? What makes you think that you're so good if you're doing what everyone else simply is doing? Instead, he says, his followers need to be involved in radical generosity. To give to those from whom they expect to receive nothing in return. To lend knowing they might never see it again. And then if that isn't radical enough, listen to what he says next. He says this, but love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Look, if you really want to test this out, lend to your enemies because they're definitely not going to give you anything back. And Jesus says, but you should still do it. So the question is, well, why? I mean, why, Jesus, why would we do something like, why would anyone do anything like that? And here's why. Here's what Jesus says. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Why, why should we give this way? Why should we be this kind of generous? Jesus says, because God himself will reward you. And he says, it's who God is because God, he says, gives to the ungrateful and the wicked. So if we're his representatives, if we're the followers of Jesus in this world, then we too ought to be incredibly generous with what God has given us to the people around us. And Jesus wasn't just talk on this stuff. I mean, he led by example. You know, just before he was betrayed, on the night that he was betrayed, before that moment, he he called his closest followers to him and they had this final meal together. And it was an incredible meal. I mean, you should read what Jesus said at that meal. I mean, you can read it in the Gospel of John. And you know, at that meal, Jesus was the most powerful person in the room. He was the leader of this new burgeoning movement that was taking root. And he, he had just stood up and announced that he had been given by God complete authority over the entire world. But then, after that kind of a statement, rather than demanding that his disciples bow down and worship, them, worship him instead, he goes and he, he takes off his nice clothes and he, he wraps a towel around his waist and he literally goes from one disciple to the next and washes their feet which in that culture was considered the lowliest, dirtiest, most demeaning job that a person could do. And Jesus does every one of the disciples. And when he's done, he, he takes off the towel and puts back on his nice clothes and he sits down and, and he begins this conversation with his disciples. Here's what he says. He says, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, 
for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus says to those who are committed to following him, he says, am I really your leader? Am I really your teacher? Am I your rabbi, the one you look to for wisdom to know how to live this life? If I really am, then you have to do what I do. Then you have to follow my example. Then you have to watch me. If he willingly and gladly served you and I, then how much more should we be willing to serve those around us? And then he says this. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know what Jesus calls us to, now that you've seen his example, now that you understand what he wants, you will be blessed if you actually do it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus meant it? If you're the church dead, for 300 years, they did exactly what Jesus taught them. I mean, they, they served the needs of the poor and the sick and the homeless, knowing that they would receive nothing in return. And they loved and cared and served their neighbors and their co-workers and their friends and their enemies. And they brought into the world a new kind of generosity that the world had never seen. And the world couldn't help but be drawn to it. In fact, their generosity became their most powerful testimony in a culture that otherwise wanted very little to do with anything that the Christians were involved in. You know, in those first three centuries, there were a number of times when plagues ravaged the cities in the empire. And when the plagues came and people were dying, others as quick as they could escaped the city. They fled for their life. And, 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 and when they did, they left behind the sick and the poor and even their own loved ones. I mean, the historians tell us that some of the first people to flee the cities were the pagan priests who were also some of the most wealthy people and had the most to lose and they literally left behind their loved ones. It wasn't just the pagan priests. All kinds of people fled. You know who didn't? Historians tell us the people who stayed behind to care for those were the Christians. They risked their health. They risked their lives to care not only for other Christians, but for all of the people around them who were sick and who were suffering and who were dying. And many Christians died doing that very thing. But many others served and cared for these who were sick. And as they as they came to health as they survived the plague. They abandoned their paganism and they put their trust and their hope in Jesus. And you know what did it for them? Not, not a miracle, not, not the theology, although it's important, but the primary thing that brought them to faith in Jesus was the incredible compassion and generosity of these people called Christians. And the news of the generosity of the Christians spread like wildfire through the empire. There's this great story from uh, back in those days. In those days, when a Roman army would overrun a region, when they would invade a city and, and capture it, they would round up all the young men to press them into service in the Roman army. 
Now you can imagine that if you're a young man and your city has just been burned to the ground and, and your family destroyed by the Roman army, you weren't exactly excited to join the army. So what the Roman generals would order is that all the young men would be rounded up and put in prison until they could be shipped off some far distant land and forced to be in the Roman army. And uh, there's this uh, story told by uh, a, a man named Pachomius. Pachomius was 20 years old, lived in the city of Thebes when the Roman army invaded, and he was rounded up and put in prison. But while he was waiting in prison to be shipped off, a severe famine uh, came to that part of the country, so badly that they didn't have money to, to feed their own soldiers, much less the prisoners that were in jail. And so Pachomius and his friends were slowly starving to death while in prison. But then all of a sudden at night, these strangers began to appear at the bars on their windows and began to push food through those windows. And night after night, these mysterious people would simply appear, send the morsels of food through the, through the windows, of the, through the bars in the, of the prisons, and, and the Pachomius and his friends would devour them without a word, without asking a question, and then those people would, would melt off into the night. And because of that, Pachomius and his friends survived the famine. And when he got out, he had questions. Who were these people? Where did they come from? And above all, why on earth would they do such a thing as this? And what he found out is that these mysterious people were the Galileans, the followers of the way. They were the Christians. And so after he did his military service with the Roman army, he searched them out. He said, what on earth? And they began to tell them, tell them about Jesus and about his death and his resurrection and the new life that he offers and the kingdom of God that is breaking into the world. And Pachomi said, I'm in, I'm in. And he became one of the key leaders of the early church. It's one of the reasons why we know his story. But it all began with this incredible generosity by the followers of Jesus. Christians gained such a reputation for generosity in the empire that their, their ongoing love and, and compassion for people was so profound and so effective that it began to reshape the beliefs of an entire empire. So much so that one of the emperors, a man named Julian, got a little bit nervous about it. And he said, we need to go back to the ways of Roman paganism. And so he began to push back against the impact that the Christians were having through their generosity. But his, foil, his plans were foiled because of the incredible generosity of the Christians. He was so frustrated that he literally, we have record of him writing a letter to one of his officials, and this is what he writes. He says, for it is disgraceful that the impious Galileans, that's how he referred to the Christians, it's disgraceful that the impious Galileans support not only their own poor, but ours as well. Well, all men see our people lack aid from us. Basically, he couldn't change the trajectory of the empire, even though he was the emperor, because the Christians were so generous and compassionate and loving in what they did. And they did it not, not because they got something in return, but because of what God did for them. You see, this kind of generosity... This kind of compassion, this kind of love and service was one of the primary reasons why the Christian church survived the first centuries of its existence. Now, imagine what that would look like for us today in this part of the world as we 
also practice that kind of, of compassion, that kind of generosity. The Apostle Paul, he writes to one of his protégés, to a man named Timothy, who was pastoring a local church. And this is what he says to him. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Here's what Jesus expects of us. He expects that we who are rich in this present world, and we've talked about this in the past, we who live in Canada, in North America, are in the top 5%, maybe even 1% of the wealthiest people of the world. So when Paul writes this, he's writing to you and to me. He says this, command those who are rich in this world. Even though these days we have all this pressure around, you know, the, the inflation and all that. He says, command those who are rich in this world to do good. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And so that's what we want to do. That, that's what we want to do year round. But we want to practice it together as a church over these next six weeks. And, and so what we're calling this is Be Ridge, meaning that we need to be the church, that we need to not just talk about it, that we need to do it. Be is an action. Let's be the church. And we did this already. We began this already last, last year. We started uh, by uh, collecting furniture for the refugees from Ukraine, from the war in Ukraine. And... I mean, by the incredible generosity, your incredible generosity, we collected tables and chairs and beds and couches and kitchen supplies and toys and everything that you would need to furnish a home. And we filled this five-ton truck with all of that and drove it out to, to the, where the refugees were sort of staying out in Abbotsford and just cared for them and loved them because of our love for Jesus. It was a great start. And this year we want to expand the scope and the, and the reach of where we believe God is calling us to give and to serve. And, and so we want to partner this year with a number of organizations that we already have relationships with here in our city. And so I want to tell you about a couple of them and what we want to do. The first is, uh, is Youth Unlimited. Uh, youth Unlimited is an organization that works with the young people and the youth in our city and particularly in our schools. And we want to provide for Youth Unlimited uh, hampers that they can give out to students at Westview Secondary, one of the local secondary schools who are uh, facing food insecurity. And there are students in that school and every one of our schools, actually, uh, who come to school hungry on a daily basis. But when they come to school, there's a breakfast program that Youth Unlimited is involved with and a, and a lunch program that is there. So they get food during the week. But when they go home on the weekends, the cupboards are bare and the fridge is empty. And so the weekend is a long time when you're a student, when you're a young person and there's no food. And so we wanted to put together hampers to give to these students so that they can have food over the course of their weekends. It's the first partner that we're going to be involved in. The second one is the hub, which uh, you know it's these tents, this building that is just outside here on our property, uh, which serves the homeless in our community. And the hub is a partnership between us as a church and 24 other community organizations, uh, including Salvation Army, 
the city of Maple Ridge, Alouette Addictions, Fraser Health, Coast Health Mental, uh, yeah, Coast Mental Health, uh, just to name a few. Which, by the way, I'm told is remarkable. There's very few places in the in, in BC where so many organizations are are gathered together and serving together in one place. And they, uh, I mean, they serve somewhere on on any given day, Monday to Friday. Here, 70 to 100 uh, members of the homeless community in, in Maple Ridge, and they provide them with care and with hot showers and with referrals to housing and with help with addictions and help with mental health and I mean all kinds of different services it's a beautiful thing that's happening here every day of the week and um, and uh, last year uh, approximately 110 people who were living on the streets were able to get off of the streets through the through the work of the hub and into subsidized housing it's a beautiful ministry and so we're going we're gonna to put together for them hygiene packages to give out to the clients that come and need those kinds of things. It's the second, uh, second partner that we're going to engage with in Bee Ridge. And the third uh, is the uh, Ridge Meadows Hospital Foundation. Last Christmas, a number of our community groups uh, went and brought treats to the emergency room uh, physicians and nurses around Christmas time. And we just want to continue to build that relationship. And so this year, they've invited us to come and to do courtyard cleanup and gardening around the Bailey House, which is a long-term care residence. We're just going to go and make the place look beautiful and welcoming for the residents who are there. And then we're also going to do some neighborhood cleanup in parks and in neighborhoods around here as we just care for our city and make it safe and beautiful for the people who are living there. And then in the middle of all that, we're going to invite everyone to come for lunch. We're going to have lunch together. We're going to celebrate. We're going to invite our neighbors from the, from the tower, the seniors that are staying in the tower. We're going to invite our friends from the Alouette Men's Shed. And we're just going to enjoy a meal together and fellowship together and build relationships. And it's going to be a fabulous day. It's going to be awesome what, what God is going to do. And, and that day is going to be three Saturdays from now on Saturday, October 28th. We're going to meet here at the church. Some are going to pack hampers and others who love gardening or don't mind being outside are going to go and do that. And others clean the community and others serve lunch. And it's going to be beautiful. But we also... We also want to be generous, not just here in our city, but, but overseas. And so we're connecting a couple of the other ministries that we're involved in as part of Bee Ridge as well. First is Camp Acompasiva, which, if you're not familiar, is a birthing center for uh, uh, pregnant mothers in a, a very poor part of Mexico. And it's a place where they can come and, and know that they will have a safe childbirth, and that they will have all of the medical resources necessary, that their children will get a good start in life. We've been involved with them through uh, uh, missionaries that we've uh, sponsored for years, uh, Ellie and Lila Casada, and uh, they, they just need funds every year to support and to run this beautiful ministry. And so they're going to have a 10-kilometer walk, run, bike uh, on two Saturdays from now, on Saturday, October 21st, right here at the Dykes, north of the city. It's another place we want to participate. And then the, the last partner I want to tell you about is one that we have a long history with around here. You know it probably. It's Operation Christmas Child, where every year we fill shoeboxes with gifts for children in, in, uh, in uh, uh, other parts of the world. And those boxes are given together with an invitation to come and hear the message of the gospel. 
And as a result of that ministry, literally hundreds of thousands of children have given their life to follow Jesus and their families have been impacted in beautiful ways as well. And so next Sunday, we're going to begin to have those boxes available for you as well. So here's what we want to do. We want to be rich. We want to be the church of Jesus Christ. We want to follow the example of Jesus to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to, to serve. And so in the next week, we want you to plan to serve in one of these areas. Pick one. Hampers is great. Bring your kids or your grandkids and help them catch a vision for serving. Working in the, in the, you know, in the community, those who love gardening. If you say, I don't want to do that, then go ride a bike and be generous. We'll walk the dikes and give. And, and as we do every year, pick up a box, a shoe box, so that you can give uh, towards Operation Christmas Child. And to do all that, though, we need to know who's coming and when and where and what. And so it's important that you go to the website and the the. the the website is here on the screen. You go there this week and you say, okay, this is where we're going to do. This is where I'm going to do, where we as a family are going to do, where we as a community group are going to do. And find your place and say, okay, we're going to come and serve. And over the next six weeks, we're going to serve in all kinds of beautiful ways. But this week, this week we want to ask you to do something else. This week we want to ask you to give, to be generous. Because you see, to serve our city, to, to do that kind of thing costs money. It requires us to be generous with our money. And so here's what we want to ask you to give today. We want to ask you to give $20 or more or more if you want. We'd love that. But if everyone in the room today were to give just $20, $20 for each individual, we would raise over $7,500 to give towards the needs in our community. And in particular, those funds are going to go to make the hampers to give to the students who are, who are experiencing food insecurity at Westview Secondary School. So today, right after the service, in about 20 or 30 minutes, we're hoping to raise the kind of money that is necessary for us to be generous to the needs in our community. And every penny that you give will go to Be Ridge. It goes directly to be out there. If you, if you use the online service, there is an administrative fee that does not come to the church. That's just part of using the online service. And if you can help with that, it's great. But, but the money that you give, all of that just goes directly out to the people that we're going to uh, care for. So let's be generous this Thanksgiving. And then after the service, there'll be these giving stations where you can go and, and use debit. They'll be giving boxes if you have cash or if you want to write a check. But probably the best way to do it is to simply, uh, to simply uh, take out your phone and use it, uh, use it for the QR code here, which will take you to a place uh, where you can give online. And it will take you three or four minutes of your entire life to do that. But please do. Take the time and give so that we can be just generous in our community. Now, with all of this that we want to do, in all of being the church and being rich, in all this, we have set no specific goals except for one. And, and this is the one goal that we have for Be Rich, and that's this 100% participation. More than a specific amount of money, more than a certain number of hampers, more than a certain number of partners that we want to partner with, more than anything else, we want to participate together.
as Ridge Church for the sake of what God wants to do through us as we practice generosity together. And so we want to make it part of the church. We want to be the church of Jesus here so that as we share our generosity with the world around us, our light might shine in this city and across the globe so that, so that others may experience that generosity and may give glory to our Father in heaven. So let's do what Jesus calls us to. Let's, let's go and see what he will do as we are faithful to be obedient to what he calls us to do. All right, let's pray. And then we're going to do it. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you particularly on this weekend, on Thanksgiving weekend, Father, for your grace and your goodness and your kindness in our lives in so many ways. Father, we can spend the day counting and listing your goodness and your grace to us. But Father, today particularly, we think about your, your kindness to us in terms of the, the resources that you have given us, particularly in this part of the world. Father, we really are some of the richest people on the planet. And Father, in your grace, you have, you have led us to know your son, Jesus, to have life through him. And he has called us, God, you know, to, to be generous and to do good works. And so, Father, may we do that. Father, I pray for us over these next six weeks that, Father, as we give and as we serve and as we love and as we are your hands and feet, a light in this city, Father, may you do beautiful and profound things among us and through us and in our city. And, Father, may your name be glorified. May people speak of the goodness of God. May they shake their heads and say, wow. There is a good God who loves and cares for us. So God, would you work through us as we are faithful to do what you call us to? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for coming and worshiping together with us today. We have so much to be thankful for, don't we? I mean, God has been so gracious to us today. And so today, right after the benediction now, I want to invite you, I want to ask you to please give. To, to be generous, to, to be rich in good deeds, to, to be willing to, to, to share what God has given to you. So right after the service, there'll be a, 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 a QR code on the screens here and out in the lobby that you can use. There's a place where you can give, uh, as I said, at the giving station or boxes. If you're watching online, there's a, a link in the bio that you can go to and just find that place and say, okay, today I'm just going to give and we're going to trust God. We're going to watch and see what God does as together we live out what he calls us to do. All right, well, let me send you out with these words, the words of Jesus. He says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand for everyone to see. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. God bless you. Let's go and be rich.